Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Thank you for listening to the late-breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to check out new episodes every Wednesday and every Sunday. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Late Breaking F1 podcast presented by Sam Sage and me, Ben Hocking. Reviewing qualifying for the Hungarian Grand Prix. Sam, we're in new territory, a qualifying review. What are we doing? I Honestly, Saturday podcast, I don't know what's going on, but at least the world of Formula One blessed us with another sensational qualifying session. Yes, thank you to the racing lords. How good has qualifying been this season, let alone just what we just watched, right? Absolutely phenomenal. They're onto something with this format. I know mm. I know, sprint races are prevalent, but I think they might be onto something with this The Q3, this Q2, Q1 format really does seem Ooh. to be rising through the ranks. Sprint races better be looking over their shoulder because it's coming. I think there's a future for it, you know. I know it's a bit controversial. Um, give you a quick run through of what happened in qualifying in terms of positions. So Logan Sargent, 20th, Magnussen, 19th. George Russell, a surprise knockout in Q1 and 18th. We'll touch on that later on. Yuki Sonoda, 17th. And then Alex Albon was the last driver out in Q1 and 16th. Q2, Pierre Gasly in 15th, Stroll 14, Ricardo 13. We'll touch on that later on. Esteban Ocon 12th, and then Carlos Sainz, who was on the front row here last year, just 11th this year. And then finally, Q3, Nico Hulkenberg again appearing in Q3 in 10th. Perez 9th, Alonso 8th, Bottas 7th in a good day for Alfa Romeo, Leclerc 6th, Zhou Guan Yu starting in 5th place, two McLarens on the second row, Piastri 4th and Norris 3rd, Verstappen in 2nd, and then Lewis Hamilton, and we'll start with this, claiming his first pole position since Jeddah. I think we're going back over 18 months since his last pole position. What did you make of his performance? I mean, there was a little part of me that remembered... I used to be a Lewis Hamilton fan when he first came to the scene. And I Hate think, him it, yeah, <laughs> despite, no, despite him. Um, I, when he crossed the line and it went to 0.003, the gap between like that, I don't care who it is. I don't care whether it be Sergio Perez of Verstappen, it'd be Leclerc and Sainz, whether it be Sargent and Albon. I don't care who it is. That gap in qualifying is what we live for. Inject it into my racing veins because that is what Saturday is all about. You are there. The time limit there is so, so small. Like the things you could do in that time are, you know, impossible to really think that they are 0.003 across a whole lap. Um, it, incredible performance from Lewis. And 
you've got to feel sorry. We're going to get onto this more detail later. But George Russell sitting down in 18th place has just watched his teammate capitulate the Red Bull dominance that we've seen for the entirety of this season. It was phenomenal. It was made for great viewing. It showed that we've got some competition and it is lit up the idea that this weekend, Hungary once again delivering an already banger of a weekend. I mean, I loved it. Ben, what did you think? Yeah, qualifying is good fun. Um, especially when we were two sectors into Lewis Hamilton's final lap as well, because we we noticed on the first run, especially for Max Verstappen, that the Red Bull was particularly good in that final sector because it looked like Norris and Verstappen on their first runs were very similarly paced. I was expecting it to be close. And then all of a sudden, Verstappen pulls out that third sector. Um so even with uh, Hamilton having a maybe a two temps advantage or so through the first two sectors, you thought, well, it's probably going to get very close to zero in the final sector. I remember just uh, t- turning to Laura going, this is going to be close. This is going to be very close. And 0.003 is about as close as you can possibly get. Um, but yeah, you're right about George Russell. I think this is the type of track where clearly it's favoring Mercedes as a team. It's a track where overtaking is difficult and you've got one car starting in first place and the other car starting in 18th. So I know Lewis Hamilton had some bad luck in Q3 of last year. From yeah, DRS here, failed to which, work. Yes. So and that at least helped George Russell get pole position or, or I, I guess you could say that Hamilton probably would have been in the fight for pole position last year. So it feels like uh, it's taken a year to come around, but the the karma has eventually come through for for Lewis Hamilton as he claims pole here based on his pace and obviously Verstappen's been something of a constant on pole position over the last couple of months do you think therefore Hamilton can challenge challenge for the race wing I don't know I mean when you when you look at Hamilton's record here this is what his ninth pole at the Hungara ring I think he breaks Schumacher's eight record at Japan I think it was um, which, don't get me wrong, that's an incredible feat to take nine pole positions at any racetrack. I think it's not Lewis Hamilton that will be the factor tomorrow. I think it's whether the car, during their long runs, can hold back Verstappen and actually the McLarens. On that medium compound tyre, McLaren look absolutely phenomenal. They look so fast. And I, I don't know about you guys, I'm a little bit nervous about turn one when Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen potentially go wheel to wheel into a breaking zone for the league of the race for the first time in arguably since the season that ended with Abu Dhabi. Um, It feels like a lot of tension can happen there, but Verstappen has publicly said starts are not good for the Red Bull car and Lewis Hamilton is publicly very good at getting off of the line. So you never know. Down to that turn one, we could see some real chaos, but I do think that unfortunately despite it being a hard track to overtake on, which might benefit Lewis, I I can't see the Mercedes going on to win this race. I genuinely believe that Lando Norris has more chance of winning this race than Lewis Hamilton does come the end of Sunday. I think you're right about the starts and yeah, Verstappen particularly at at Silverstone, which is is not a long run down to turn one at Silverstone. It's one of the shortest runs that we have on the calendar was obviously overtaken by Lando Norris. So it hasn't been his forte and, and you're right. Hamilton has been seemingly great at starts this season, which is weird to think given, I I know it's like 10 years ago now, but it used to be his like defining weakness was his starts. If you remember back to, early Mercedes days. So, um, yeah, I think Hamilton certainly got a chance to lead the first lap. Um, I, 
I think that they have a chance. I th- and I would include McLaren in that as well. I think this is the most vulnerable that Red Bull have been in a very long time. That's not to say that they won't win, but I do think that there is a chance for both McLarens. I think Hamilton's got a chance as well to, to beat Verstappen here. It's going to be so strategic. Strategy is going to be the ultimate decider here because there, there are talks that it might be a three-stop race and it wouldn't shock me if it does end up being that. I, I think we are looking oh, at at least two. Lord, give me a three-stop race between three different constructors to potentially win this. I will leave my body and have an outer body experience if that's what we get tomorrow because we've been craving it. We've needed it all season long. We need that level of strategic yet pace-based brilliance. And I think the undercut here is going to be you know, so crucial. If you could get your car into a moment of clean air where you get a couple of laps before the next car pits, that could be the decider. Break that DRS, get ahead, keep your tyres clean. You know, if, if Hamilton were to were to risk it, go for that undercut early and drop into a, a, a five-second pocket, that could be the race wing or the race loss if it all goes wrong. Safety cars, obviously, really crucial here as well. You never know who's going to end up binging it. Um, I'm, I'm so glad that Weirdly, the Red Bull update doesn't seem to have all tied together. Mercedes seem to work brilliantly here and McLaren are back on that pace again. And the race pace longer run estimations are very, very exciting. So at the front of the grid, we've got some real, real exciting stuff happening. Verstappen two-stop and Hamilton three-stop. Sorry, the other way around. Hamilton two-stop versus Verstappen three-stop. It's not the first time we'd have seen that around here as well. And it was pretty good the first time around. So um, would not be against that whatsoever. Of course, today um, is our first qualifying review and completely not intentional this, but we've managed to pick a weekend where the format has at least temporarily changed. So um, what are they calling it again? Alternative tyre allocation or something along oh, those lines? whatever they where call if- it. I, I, whatever. Okay. So hard tyres had to be used mandatory in Q1, medium tyres mandatory in Q2, and then soft tyres mandatory in Q3. This was something they were going to introduce earlier in the season. I think it was Imola from memory, yes, which of it course was. didn't end up happening. So this is why it's been postponed until here um, as a trial, and it could well be taken forward uh, into next season's regulations. What do you make of it? So it was a bit weird at first seeing cars doing qualifying laps on the hard tyre. Was it just a bit, you know, like, this is wrong? Not sure what's going on with it. But I believe that the tyre compounds are actually much softer than what we had last year. I believe the medium compound is a set softer than the soft compound last year. Um, So... You know, the hard tyre is equal to what the soft tyre was last year. So, you know, these tyres have got real pace in it, I believe. They can really book it round the track. And I didn't hate the format. I understand the reasoning behind it, right? It's completely for sustainability. It's to completely uh, help for freight. The teams have got less to carry around. It saves rubber. We're saving energy. If you think about it, it's saving, I think they say it's saving every single car, two sets of tyres for the whole race weekend. So if you break down what a set of tyres is, that's four tyres. So eight tyres per car, 16 tyres per team. You times that by the 10 teams, that's 160 tyres a race. And then you do what, 160 times 24? I'm not doing the maths, yeah, but you can work which, it out. I, I think that was done on commentary to work out. It was something around 3,000 to 3,500. I can't remember the exact number, but it was a lot of tyres. That is a lot of bloody tyres, folks. Three and a half thousand tyres being saved. Now, I was always so torn when it comes to Formula One talking about sustainability because it's a sport. It is the most 
ridiculous hypercar race of all time to hit, you know, the very best, the very fast, it's the, 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 the ultimate way of doing things. So to see that we're doing it in a clean and effective way is fantastic, but it's also very difficult. And Lewis Hamilton spoke about it both before the race weekend and when he was interviewed after taking pole position, they also brought it up. And he said that it removed, possibly removed entertainment for the fans on a Friday session, which is a bit of a confusing comment because I think realistically, if you're a fan and you're coming to watch the Friday session, you kind of know what you're getting. You're watching practice sessions and you were aware that teams are doing things. It's not competitive. You know, you're getting stuff done. You're, you're learning. So I was a bit confused by that comment and I must admit, quite liked it. Didn't mind having them all on the same tyre for each run. Ben, did you have any initial thoughts? People think, because of my opinion on sprint races and other stupid things that F1 have trialed over the last few years, people think that I hate change. I don't mind change as long as it's a good idea. I think this works. I like it. I, I think it provides more of a of a rounded challenge for the teams where, yes, they need to be quick on all three compounds of tyres. And we saw there were teams that were better on the softs than they were on the mediums and better on the mediums than they were on the hards. If, if we turned up with last year's tyre compounds, McLaren might well have been on pole. They might have had a one-two because they were very quick on the medium tyre, which would have been last year's softs. So I think it's, I, I think it really worked. We saw Q1 and Q3 were very different in terms of um, approach from the teams. And actually, I think having both on the same session really worked. So Q1, we had teams doing multiple laps on the same compound of tyre. And in a lot of instances, they improved on their second lap on the same compound. So we had basically a full session of Q1 with cars almost constantly going around the track. There wasn't really any um, break in the action as we naturally have when it's just soft tyres being used, which I liked. We often get that with wet sessions as well. Again, really enjoy it when they're fueled up a bit more. Q2, somewhere in the middle. And then Q3 was what we're used to seeing, which is two very specific runs on the soft compound and that last dash for pole, which was incredibly entertaining as well with, with Lewis Hamilton claiming that right at the death. So I really liked it. If it put the sustainability thing to one side, just for the moment, purely from an entertainment factor, I thought it was a good idea, but when you add in the sustainability factors as well, yeah, I'm Hamilton's comment was curious about the Friday running. And I don't think we got a true test of it because of the rain rain that we had yesterday. Yeah. So I would like to see how that would actually impact a Friday on a fully dry weekend, sure. But actually here in terms of entertainment, I, I, I think it was great. The weirdly as well, what you brought up about the Q3 rungs being on those soft tyres, because we had not seen a single car do a, a soft tyre rung, you know, in anger, you know, full chat on a Saturday in a qualifying session up until those last 10 minutes, I get excited like a small child anyway when we go into qualifying. And when you hit Q3, I get a little bit, you know, butterflies, time to get stingy. I get very yeah. into it. So when you go, this is now unknown. We don't know what level of, you know, times are going to be hit, what speeds are going to hit, what seems to actually sit where. It gets really exciting. Two runs, two chances. You muck it up. That's all you get. And it delivered. I mean, qualifying has been sensational all year. We've had so many brilliant Saturdays. I would argue this might be the best qualifying Saturday we've had. Monaco was actually 
sensational. It was the one to beat, I think. But this one might just have beaten it. And I think the new tyre trial that they put in there played a massive part of leaving a lot of it to be discovered going into Q3. I think honestly, you could go back to pretty much any qualifying session we've had this year and go, yeah, that was great. Yep, that was great. Uh, If someone wants to actually go through and fully review it, I think that's what you'd you'd likely find. But overall, I'd like to see how it impacts the race as well tomorrow. I think it was, I think it was good fun. And I'd like to see it maybe trialed once more, um, just to give it a bit more of a sample size. But based on this one outing in Hungary, I'm for this idea going forward. Yeah, agreed. Should we, have, should we have a quick chat on Alfa Romeo? Because they turn up. Uh, what They're at the wrong end of the grid, mate. We spoke about them in the midweek. Yeah. And we said they should be further down and they've decided we don't want to be further down. So now they're further up. So they were, if my on-the-spot maths is correct, the only team other than McLaren to have two cars in the top seven. I believe you are correct. Pretty good. I mean, Alfa Romeo have shown hints of goodness and you know Zhou Guan Yu yeah no, it's a great word Zhou Guan Yu has been has been consistent and I think he's been consistent in a bad car right he's he's not been letting anyone down and Bossas has been asleep for most of the season and arguably hasn't even made the most of a bad car but all of a sudden we've chucked in a new set of engines and I don't know if maybe just the extra horsepower they had coming out of corners and that extra grunt was setting them up there but it felt like aerodynamically the car just fit really well with how the track works. It feels like this is one of those kind of one-in-one instants where across a whole season, your car, the track, the conditions just completely marry up. And it's not a fluke because both cars were there. Bottas was incredibly close to Zhou Guanyu. Both of them could challenge for strong points. And this really could be the difference for a team like Alfa Romeo between being ninth or 10th in the standings and possibly coming sixth or seventh if it goes really well for them, you know, and that's a lot of money. That's a lot of quiche in the old pocket. So I think, you know, I'm not going to talk about it too long, but if I, I questioned when, when it got brought up that they had new engines in the car, I really went, you've brought new engines to Hungary. That's like bringing new engines to Monaco. What, what are you gaining? Something's worked for them. That extra oomph down the straights has helped and the aerodynamics are clearly functioning brilliantly. Both drivers turned up props to them perhaps even more encouragingly, because I think they did very well to get through to Q3 and they put together a good performance to get fifth and seventh. And you're right. I mean, Joe had the better in Q3, but Bottas was right on the pace throughout the first couple of sessions as well. So they're right in there. They were at their best in Q1 with the hard tyres, I think. Long and, race pace. And that bodes very well for tomorrow, because that is surely going to be a tyre that is quite frequently used throughout the day. So um, we'll see how, how far they can get up, but that is uh, an encouraging result for them. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. On the other side, we'll discuss Daniel Ricciardo and his return to qualifying in Formula One. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks.
Daniel Ricciardo has been the talk of the town for the last week or so after his return to F1 via Alpha Tauri. Got in the car and qualifying his first qualifying since last season, made it through Q1 and then put together a fairly solid lap in Q2 to get 13th place. By comparison, his teammate Yuki Tsunoda did not make it out of Q1. So what did you make of his return? Oh, he's quite good, isn't he? <laughs> 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 I forgot about that. Forgot that he was good in the car. Um, I mean, that is exactly that. I mean, I knew that he was not going to be bad. I think Ricardo was never going to be bad. But I must admit, I had come to the conclusion mentally that he was not on Yuki Sangoga's pace this race. And when I say not on his pace, I just meant a tenth or two behind. And that is no disgrace. That's no embarrassment for your first race back. Totally fair. You're getting used to a car, team, track again, whole experience. It's a lot to take on board for a lot of people. If you were going to only be two tenths behind your team out and your first go back, no one is going to look at you and go, that's not very good. Genuinely would be like, yeah, fine. That's okay. But he wasn't. He turned up on this Saturday and it all worked so well for him. It was the Danny Rick that we know. He elevated that car, which was, I do think, a high Q1 car, you know, 16th and 17th. And at one point, I thought he was going to maybe sneak into Q3. He was only just outside of that Q3 bubble. It was only when the Ferraris turned up that he kind of got knocked back a little bit. And Hulkenberg being the Hulk, being some kind of qualifying master. Um, You know, I genuinely was surprised. So this is so promising. He has delivered on his word currently. We're yet to see what he does on that Sunday. But he did say... I'll be back race one. I don't need more time to settle in. I will be back. I'll be delivering. And so far, he is back. He is delivering. I'm impressed. And it is good to see him turning up. This is exactly what Red Bull wanted. Exactly what Alpha Tauri wanted. Two drivers pushing each other, fighting for that seat. They've got their competition back. And that's what Alpha Tauri is all about. So I'm really chuffed. I'm glad he's back and I'm glad he's performing. Yeah, for me, he he exceeded expectations. Not uh, massively, but yeah, he quite confidently exceeded what I thought he might get done. I went into the session thinking if he finishes 16th, that's fine. I, I, I think that would have been a, a fairly good result, even though that would have been a Q1 knockout. I think if he was at the top end of those drivers that got knocked out, based on where that car is, based on how long he's been out of a seat, 16th, even 17th, I think would have been okay. And certainly early in the session, that's roughly where they were. I think there was a time where the two AlphaTauri drivers were indeed the two slowest cars in the session. But, um, you know, we saw them jump up to, was it fourth and eighth or something along fourth those and lines? Seventh, yeah. Fourth and seventh, um, with Yuki Tsunoda being the lead of those two on that run. At which point you think that's, that's probably what we were thinking in the... They were, they were out on fresh tires before everyone else. They both made a jump as the car was getting quick. Sorry, the car was okay, but the, the track was getting quicker. Um, but Yuki Tsunoda maintaining that 10th or two advantage. But then on the final run, really that's where the greats come out. And Daniel Ricciardo pulled out the lap that he needed to to make Q2. And arguably, I think his lap in Q2 was just as impressive as his lap in Q1. Um, I think that no one was really expecting him to make Q3 because that Alpha Tauri just hasn't made appearances in Q3 this year. But he was he was in the mix. Like he outqualified he outqualified Gasly, um, who I appreciate did have a lap taken away. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head who was 14th um, in that session, but um, was it Stroll? 
Stroll 14th. Uh, I think, um, yeah. And then Ocon lost his lap. So he went down to the bottom, didn't he? Oh, that was Ga- Gasly went down to the bottom. Yes, but sorry, yeah, Ocon, yeah. I think was, um, Ocon was 12th. But um, yeah, he, he was, um, he was in contention, which is exactly what you needed from the first day. Now, it is going to be the Sundays that are going to be the all important factor for him. Can he perform? Can he consistently get back in the car? Because it's all all okay having that one lap pace and rediscovering that, but can he do that over the course of a 60, 70 lap Grand Prix? It remains to be seen. Um, but yeah, this was, if I had to rate it out of 10, I'd, I'd probably go seven or even eight. I think that was, that was very good. Yeah, I'd give it a solid eight, if not 8.5 actually. I think, I think if he was P11, if he got to that spot just before the Q3, I'd be knocking on the doors of a strong nine, I think. Probably not one we were expecting, but Daniel Ricciardo did outqualify someone by five positions. That man being George Russell. George Russell had to sit on the sidelines as he watched his teammate, Lewis Hamilton, mop up pole position. George Russell starting 17 positions lower than that at the track where he got pole position last year. So clearly the Mercedes did have pace here that George Russell couldn't extract at the dying embers of Q1 with traffic playing a huge part in that. What did you make of the closing moments of of Q1 and George Russell's predicament going into the race tomorrow? Firstly, the emotional damage that this must have done to, to, to any driver, you know, to see not only was he on pole here this time last year, he's out in Q1 and his teammate has managed to completely emulate what he managed to do last time out. Just shows you the level of promise and capability that that car had. He could, he should and could have comfortably been in that top five. And I've argued he should be on the second row next to Norris as a minimum, really. He should be sat there, I argue, fourth or third as a real minimum. The car clearly has that capability. So not good enough from George Russell. And why don't Mercedes send the cars out earlier in these early sessions? They were really playing with fire. It came round to the end of Q1. All the cars are out there getting ready to set up laps. And I'm looking down the timing sheets and it says next to Hamilton, P, Russell, P. No chance if there's a red flag, if there's a yellow flag, if you're knocked out on your lap by any mistakes, by a brake being locked up, if there's traffic that occurs. And that is what happened to George Russell. He was caught up in the very slow moving set of cars right at the end, about to start their lap. Couldn't get the tyres in the right place. Then didn't get the lap in. It's, it's not good enough, both from team and driver. Now, I'm not going to do the thing that some people do where, you know, we've laid into Perez, right? He's not been good enough in qualifying and we're going to speak about Perez again properly in a minute, but that's Perez's fault. This is also George Russell's fault. He had the same capabilities as everyone else. He's got the same conditions as everyone else. He's got the same car as Lewis Hamilton. He should be putting in the lap to get himself out of Q1. Now, I've got Russell's qualifying record for the season currently on my phone here. And I want you to hear a bit of a trend here. So Bahrain sixth, Saudi Arabia fourth, Australia second. Sounds great, right? Azerbaijan 11th, Miami sixth, Monaco eighth, Spain 12th. Not good. Canada fifth, Austria 11th, Great Britain 6th, Hungary 18th. He's had four occasions now where he's not made it into Q3 and he's had over half of his occasions where he's outside of the top six when he does get into Q3. So his qualifying is starting to let him down. It's starting to impact him. I do think the difference is showing in the points tally between Hamilton and Russell. He's not allowing himself to be in the right place in the race now to challenge to be that lead driver. Now, 
compounding on that factor, Hungary is not a racetrack where you want to be starting that far down the grid. It's not a track like a Monza or a Silverstone where you can fly past cars using DRS or you can get them going around the outside of big wide open corners. This is a sit in the traffic, wait and wait and wait and have to take your moment when it presents itself. Very similar to Monaco. This isn't looking good for George Russell, this race. He needs a lucky red flag. He needs a, a lucky safety car if he stays out long. I would be gutted if it happened on this racetrack. Yeah, I think overall, George Russell, I, th I think you're probably right to say that a top four start was definitely on the cards. There was a considerable gap between... Uh, a considerable is probably a, a harsh word on Piastri here, but <laughs> there was a gap between third and fourth, which was Norris and Piastri, which I think Russell would have at the least slotted into. Um, but that's if, buts and maybes. And obviously he didn't make it there. Um, his his last run in Q1, it was never going to happen. He was three temps down by the time he got to the first corner um, because of the lack of momentum he had going out of the last corner. So um, I, I think it was pretty much doomed from the start based on that, that traffic situation. So I do feel, I, I do feel bad for Russell in this instance. I think overall, based on what you're saying and, and you're right, he has had a number of outside of the top 10 starts this year. I think a lot of it is balancing out that naturally happens when you spend enough time in Formula One. So we mentioned a lot of times last year with George Russell picking up results and Lewis Hamilton struggling to mention it quite a lot of times that whilst it was impressive from George Russell, generally speaking, these sorts of situations were going his way and not yeah, Lewis Hamilton's that's way. True. And it just seems as if that's completely reversed this year. Uh, which is natural because luck over time is going to balance out something close to 50-50 in that this sort of thing, it feels like, happened to Lewis Hamilton last year. This year, it's happening to him instead at a time where he really could have used a good result and who knows what he's going to be able to do from 18th tomorrow. So um, I, I don't put the, the lap itself, I don't put on him really, um, just based on that lack of momentum out of the last corner. It was so, it was so tight qualifying as a whole in that three temps really was the difference between a Q3 appearance and a Q1 knockout that's how close things were. Um, I think this is on the team for not putting them out earlier. And Red Bull nailed the exact situation in Q2 because we saw Verstappen didn't get a lap in at first because he was invalidated for going wide at turn five. They put him out on medium tires before anyone else made an appearance on track. If you remember, it was about four, four minutes. minutes to go. Was, yep. Yeah, something like that. That's what Mercedes should have been doing in Q1. I appreciate the track was ramping up and you do want to be out there as late as you possibly can be. But based on how much pace they had, they would have been comfortable enough going out a few minutes before everyone else and just securing that place in the next round. So, um, yeah, I, I put this more on the team than, than I do Russell. But as a, as a trend, I think you're right that there is something that he needs to turn around here. What about Sergio Perez? Because he bucked a trend by his qualifying today. It's his first Q3 appearance since Miami, um, but was unable to take much advantage of it as soon as he got to Q3. He'll start this race in ninth. What did you make? It's like complimenting a naughty child, isn't it? It's like saying, you know, f five out of six times, you've been a very naughty boy. On the sixth time when you behave, should I compliment you or are you just doing what is expected of you? And even then... It kind of felt like the bare minimum. P9 is better. I'm not going to ever debate that with anyone. It obviously is better than a, a P14 or a P17, obviously. 
but it's still P9 in the car that was 0.003 away from pole. You know, you are arguably still in the fastest car on the track. Um, you, you realistically sugar being in the top five, I think. And, you know, fifth place, I probably would have been, all right, you got yourself in a good spot for the race. You can make it up from here. I still think ninth place with how the track is, is going to be really tough for him to move forward. It's, it's better. It's not good. You know, that's my analysis of this situation. I think he maybe has taken the pressure off himself a little bit due to the fact that Russell underperformed. Sykes swung out, of course, into in Q2 as well. Verstappen didn't get pole position. But I think when you dig down into this, he's still massively underperforming with the car. And of course, he binned it in uh, practice one. Of course, the Red Bull got the red flag to come out, broke the Red Bull car himself. Wasn't really a great weekend for him. So he's still got work to do. He's still going to make it up. I just hope he's made his life a bit easier by at least being in Q3 this time around. Yeah, I, I think overall, Q1 and Q2 were pretty good. In that Q1, there wasn't really much to separate between him and Verstappen. And even in Q2, I think it was about two tenths, maybe two and a half tenths. In which case, if, if you emulate that gap into Q3, Perez is probably starting fourth here, which is a, a five positions higher than what he's actually starting. And ultimately, Verstappen being able to pull out an extra tenth or two in Q3 and Perez not being able to do the same thing is the reason there is such a gap between these two drivers. Um, overall, there was only four tenths, I, I say only, four tenths between Verstappen and Perez, which isn't the end of the world. And I think in other qualifying sessions prior to this one, a four tenths gap probably would have been good enough for somewhere in the top five. But clearly, at least on a Saturday at the moment, other teams are becoming a factor it was enough today for Hamilton to get pole. It was enough for Norris to be in contention today and indeed last race as well. The Ferraris, you know, of, of Charles Leclerc today, they're still in the mix too. So I, I guess we're entering a stage here where actually four temps behind Verstappen isn't quick enough from Perez's perspective. And it does need to be something closer to two temps for him to actually still start within the top couple of rows. I think at least as a starting point, I appreciate you. You're right. It's almost patronizing praise to say, well done to getting into Q3, but it is a starting point. And I think it's okay for this race, but certainly ninth isn't enough for a, for a Q3 effort. So he will need to drag out a bit more than that in the coming races. Um, and next week, the last race before the summer break. Yeah, agreed. He needs that boost going to the summer break. He needs that confidence lifter. Horger said, we're not looking for anything until 2025. If it keeps up like this, I really do think that that's going to be a bit of a, a publicity line and they will be looking elsewhere. Before we leave, who is your star of qualifying? Lewis Hamilton takes it. I mean, it's the first person to knock off a Max Verstappen pole position in over six races. Um, it, it was great to see him break a record. It's always cool when you see a bit of a history bit made. Um, and it was it was great. Uh, there was a little part of me that almost missed hearing getting there, Lewis, over the radio. Just a little bit. You're just so overwhelmed, wouldn't you? Yeah, I, I was like, even oh bring God. it out. No. Um, and you know what? I know, and we've said about this before, when you see one of the, either the youngsters coming up or a driver that doesn't expect, you remember when Magnussen got pole at Brazil? You saw the reaction from the team, from the driver. You got that from Lewis Hamilton today. He, his voice had gone. He was screaming over the radio. I love it when a driver gets that excited by getting something like pole position. That makes the sport so enjoyable for me. So yeah, he was my star. 
And that's fair enough. I'm going to go with the same name. The only other driver I want to mention that hasn't been mentioned too much today is is Nico Hulkenberg because it doesn't feel like a star performance because it's what we've come to expect from him where Kevin Magnussen is getting knocked out in Q1 and Hulkenberg is making it into Q3. It's got to the point now where it's become such a normality that we don't bring it up. Like if it happened when it happened the first time, it was like, whoa, okay. It's very rare that this sort of thing happens. It's becoming quite commonplace, so we don't mention it as much. So I, I think it is at least worth a mention there. But star of the day is Lewis Hamilton for me as well. Yeah, Zhou Guang Yu gets a mini shout out oh, as well, I think. Yeah, yeah, both Alfa Romeo's doing a great job. Um I think that's going to do it for our first ever qualifying review on the Late Breaking F1 podcast. Of course, this is our first time, so we are very interested to know your feedback for this. Do you like this as a format? Um, we're sort of trialing this out at about 35 minutes or so. Um, as a bit of a shorter, snappier one for just a qualifying session. Um, if you like it, let us know and we'll continue to do them. If you don't like it, again, please do let us know. Our feelings won't be hurt. Um, we just want your honest feedback on this. Um, but of course, not myself, but Sam and Harry will be back for the review of the actual race tomorrow. Anything else you want to add in, Sam? No, no. Uh, just a reminder that me and Harry are getting drunk later tonight, so we will be doing the show incredibly hungover together. Um, oh, sorry, God. Ben. Sorry, Ben. You don't get to say or do anything to prevent that one. So if you want to join in for a good time and review what could be an absolute cork, I remember last year, Hungary was the most underrated race of the season. It was voted by the group of us, the race of 2022. So it could be a phenomenal one tomorrow. Um, make sure you're joining. Come and give it a listen. We really appreciate all the support. Discord's in the link if you want to join in for the race. We always chat through that as well. You know what our socials are. Go and follow them. Um, and I think we'll catch you tomorrow. In the meantime, I've been Samuel Sage. And I've been Ben Hocking. And remember, keep breaking late. Meow. <laughs> nice. Sports Social Podcast Network.